Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Tom Salta for Death Loop. He'll talk about the music in the game in a moment, but uh, you might remember that the last time we had Tom Salta on the show, he talked about his masterclass series on writing music for games, and he's adding a class specifically about Deathloop. So if you want a discount code, get in touch with us through our Patreon page or on Twitter, and we'll get that for you. Anyway, here's Tom talking about the unique gameplay in Deathloop. Deathloop is a really unique game um, where you wake up on some, you don't know what's going on, you just are experiencing it through the point of view of the character that you play. And you end up on this mysterious island called Black Reef, which is caught in some kind of artificially created time loop based in the late 60s. Okay. And so you don't know what's going on, which is part of the humor in the dialogue. Um, the <laughs> cult is the is the the main character that you will play, and um, you are trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, you find out that in order to break the loop, uh, you have to eliminate within twenty four hours uh, eight visionaries or targets before the day runs out. And if you either fail to do that or get killed, you start from the beginning. So it kind of reminded me when I first read about that, like of Majora's Mask, you know, where there's this kind of thing. But this is way different. And in in, in many ways, it's so much better because there is a danger to these kind of time looping games. It's like, oh, man, I oh, that's going to get annoying and frustrating and repetitive. They somehow manage to just bypass all of the traps of these kind of time loop mechanisms. And it just comes together in this amazing, amazing uh, game. The characters, the environment, everything is so colorful and and animated and, and bigger than life and just fun. The experience is just amazing and the game is truly outstanding. And I'm besides myself with joy of how good it came out because I got to tell you, no one ever expects when they're working on something that it's going to be received this well. You can only hope. What a fun era of music to harvest in that genre that, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, just so many great instruments and vintage sounds and yes. fun kind of hat tips to the era. So, yes, uh, I guess just talk about the, the choice of style and all that stuff. I mean, there's so many cool oh things God. to bring up. So, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, starting from the beginning was OK the style how do you even establish that and and that was probably one of the most challenging parts of the whole process was to come up with this sound this signature sound that would become the death loop sound it's not just as simple as you know grabbing late 60s music averaging it together and then you know making a score yeah i wish it was that easy but um but the first step was really 
trying to figure out how to create the sound. So I will tell you, I mean, I always do my research, you know, my R&D phase at the beginning. And in, a, in, in addition to the wonderfully comprehensive 50-page document that the audio director provided me, which is amazing, you know, he, Michelle's super experienced at Arcane. Um, there was a lot to go through and digest. And after I went through all of that and I listened to some of his thoughts and ideas and references, then I came up with my own list of about 44 different, you know, musical references because one of the things that I was most concerned about is how to come up with aggressive, satisfyingly aggressive, meaty, beefy fight music. If you just put on, you know, late 60s playlist, you're not going to hear a lot of mean sounding stuff. You're not going to hear a lot of butt kicking stuff. It's going to be like, you know, an episode of Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's the late 60s. Everyone's really happy and flying high. Yeah. And so, you know, coming up with the sound that would allow me to 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 evoke that period, but also be aggressive in a, in a way that I could communicate retrospectively, but also with a mo through a modern lens. That was the biggest challenge. So after I kind of did all of that research and my own references and his references, we had a lot of conversations. I'm like, what do you think about this? How about this? How about this? Then I started really taking, I don't know, weeks to go through some of my favorites. I, you know, I distilled it down to my favorite stuff that like kind of lit me up and felt like, okay, this could work, this could work, this could work. And I started making my own palette, if you will, kind of like Bob Ross makes, you know, he put all the paints, we're going to use the cayenne white and, you know, and I would kind of come up with all these sounds and instruments that I felt would work together, perhaps. And uh, then I started experimenting. And then the the last part of the first phase was also trying to get ahead my head around the kind of theme that he wanted. Yeah. And I don't know if you 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 saw this yet, but there were actually two themes. The the first theme that I composed that was approved enthusiastically by the team, uh that is something which ended up not being the theme. In fact, it's not in the game at all. <laughs> so, that's something that came up later. After I was working on the game, I didn't really have too much to go on. And the original idea was to create this mysterious piece of music, a very unique, mysterious piece of music to represent the island itself. Not necessarily, you know, the characters on the island and the and the robust nature of the game, which wasn't apparent to me until later. So I created this a theme, this mysterious theme that kind of evoked feelings of, you know, uh, mysterious island um, and and um, lost, you know, those kind of things where it's, you know, this eerie, mysterious thing. And I did it and and Michelle really liked it. And, you know, I, I started working on some of the in-game music, like in the upper city. And then I'm sitting with this and I'm starting to get little more captures from the game and little more information. And I'm starting to see some more things of like people with masks and dancing and all this. I'm like, you know what? This just doesn't seem like the personality that I'm starting to see emerge here. If, if it needs something more, I don't know, poppy, catchy, vibrant. And I, you know, I, I couldn't help resist the temptation to really focus on something that would sound good looping <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. So without telling 
the audio director, I started working in the background on this new theme. And and eventually I came up with these these uh, these these chords, these four chords in this three note motif and developed that. And about a week later, I worked on it for about a week. I sent it over to him and he was like, wow, thank you so much. You know, this is great. I mean, I, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not going to replace the theme right now but you know i said okay here's why i think it would work better i understand don't rush to any decisions sit with it so he did that and we had some conversations about three weeks later he came back he says you know you're right i really like this better i think this is a better theme and that became the foundation for the rest of the score wow and that is the current theme to death So talk to me then about some of the instruments that you used, whether you mm. used, you know, the actual instruments themselves mm -hmm. or if you're yeah. using replications of them. But uh, yeah. I would just love to hear some of those like vintage sounds that you went for. Yeah, absolutely. So back to that earlier phase when I was starting to really kind of make my list of ingredients. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For the for the score, who's in the band? You know, the 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 things that came up were the the roads. Now the roads technically wasn't in the late sixties. It was like nineteen seventy or something like that. Whatever. But needless to say, it's still associated with that era. So the roads, the clavinet, the vibraphone, uh, the Wurlitzer, certain kind of like Abbey Road sounding drum kits, certain okay. sounds. You know, I was listening to those things. Certain guitar tones. Uh, certainly the whole way that music was affected. It's not just the instruments themselves, but also the way they're treated. The Hammond B3, the Mellotron, the Theremin, um, as far as synthesizers. Right, yeah. you know, the, the, the what was it, the VCS3 or something like that? It was like an old late 60s synth. You hear it on some early Pink Floyd, um, I think Dark Side on the Moon, I'm not sure. Early Pink Floyd stuff, some more of the late psychedelic era. Pink Floyd. So those kind of instruments. Now, I don't physically, the only vintage instrument I have in this room that could arguably be from that era would be a, a Model D Mini Moog, uh, even though that was 1971. But needless to say, I don't have any of those physical instruments here. So I used a lot of very good sounding um, virtual virtualizations of those things and effects. That being said, um, I not only worked with some amazing guitar guitar players, um, uh, including um, Steve Wimet, uh, Roto, um, Chris Frost, but uh, I also uh, worked with my longtime friend, jazz legend, iconic producer, artist, ja uh, Philippe Sace, um, going, you know, Philippe is legendary, look him up. And um, so he's got physically uh, a real Rhodes, he's got a real clavinet, he's got a real vibraphone, a real marimba, um, real Wurlitzer and stuff. So there are places in the score where I really wanted to to get some serious solo work, stuff that's beyond my ability to to even fake, uh, <laughs> to bring him in and 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 show off and do some fun things. So when that was the case, I'm like, okay, man, Fleet, break it out, man. Mic those babies up. And you know, he did the real thing. You know, he knows. 
Yeah. He, he studied that stuff. He knows exactly how to do it. You know, running the clavinet through the wah and the little distortion and whatever. And he even got his Steinway out and started doing some experimental stuff, uh, you know, in the strings. So basically 90% of everything you hear in there is intentionally a throwback to the late 60s. Now, to package it all up in a satisfying way, I approach the score not as if I'm trying to fool you that this is some uncovered score from the 60s, but rather it's a glorified lens of the way I see the 60s, more like I found this room locked up for, for you know, 50 years uh, that I kind of opened up, took the cobwebs off and like, what can I do with this stuff? Yeah. And that's really kind of the way that I approached the score. And then, you know, I, I took some liberties here and there, but it, it's very rare. So yeah. everything was really to kind of evoke that period, but through my own glorified lens. Again, fun is the word I keep coming up with because yeah, it really it is, is just it is fun. fun. And it, there's yeah. like kind of film noir-y kind of spy. <laughs> like it reminded me sometimes of like the Mission Impossible, the original Mission Impossible right, TV show. Right, the 60s Mission Impossible. Yep, all that yep. stuff. The and 60s James Bond. The, the, yep. There's the 60s Caped Crusaders on TV, you know, <laughs> definitely yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, all it, that it never stuff. takes itself seriously, but it still isn't funny music. It's just fun because of the context that it's used in. Some of the individual tracks I want to talk about, and and I promise we're not going to talk about every single boss, but we're going to talk about. Well, that's okay. I got my water and honey here. So. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, just starting right with Alexis, the you know, in in order oh. of the soundtrack. Um, yes. That's the one with alto sax and and vibes, and uh, well, <laughs> vibes are in many more tracks than just the Alexis track, but the alto sax, you know, really stands out because. Um, it, it's featured so prominently in that track. Yes. So talk to me about that. Oh my goodness. Okay. So th this is hilarious. I have to tell you a story about Alexis. Alexis was the first target or visionary that I did music for. Okay. All right. I went, I went down the list and for each target, I got a little concept art drawing of their body and their face and then a paragraph about them, like in a little bit you know, of, of anecdotes about them, and then a description of five words, right? Okay. So Alexis, when I read this back in 2020, I started this in January 2020, this is the description I got. 
an outspoken man-child with an inflated ego. He's perhaps the most immature of all the program founders. Uh, as a young billionaire, he's the single largest financial investor. Uh, okay, so I'm like, okay. Um, and his personality is outspoken, immature, decadent, ignorant, and vain. I'm like, hmm. Are they like watching our presidential elections or something? What's happening? <laughs> no. Anyway, so all these characters had these very um, animated, exaggerated, unique personalities. And one of the suggestions uh, was to kind of use some of the movie jazz, swing bandy kind of yeah. whatever, that kind of color. And, you know, when I read that personality, I'm thinking, OK, we got to make it kind of sound like arrogant and pretentious, you know, and very foofy and like, you know, wear your jacket and tie as you come and sit in our jazz lounge, you know. And then I called upon David Mann, uh, amazing saxophonist for anyone that's into jazz and smooth jazz and stuff. I met him back in the 90s. So between him and Philippe Sace, I would create the music. I, you know create the uh, the foundations and, and the main melodies and stuff. And then I would hand it off to the cats. And I'm like, okay, man, here you go. Now go riff, you know, yeah. do this, do that, you know. And um, so that was how Alexis Dorsey came together. So funny and and fun, especially when you know, because these tracks are structured, uh, these tar the the tracks for the targets are structured yes. with you know more ambi chill music to start, and then the battle. That's I assume right. is what how these are. Right. So and, yeah, the way that the targets are structured is very much similar to the way that all of the map area music is structured. So when you listen to the soundtrack, which will be released at some point, hopefully very soon, uh, it starts with you know more ambient uh, uh, music, and that is what we call the approach music. So in the case of the targets, that's when you're kind of, you know, you're coming in on the target, you're entering their region, their area, you're in proximity, but you're undetected. And then eventually it kicks in to the, um, to the fight stuff. And you'll hear that exploration music go on for a while, that approach exploration, depending on what area, if you're doing a map versus a target, you, it goes on for quite a while. And the reason is because it comes back to the same two minute or so piece of music four different times of day. Okay. Which was really interesting. So it allowed me to create these variations or it, it required me to create these variations of the same piece of music. So you might hear it start with these very gentle kind of like tremolo strings, which represents, you know, maybe, you know, midnight, like the moon is out and, you know, just quiet, everything's dark. And then after that, you might hear it feel like it's starting to wake up. That's the morning. And then it goes the afternoon. And then you might hear people, you know, maybe a little drum, a little bass coming. And then the third variation would be like the afternoon, 
uh, and the little groove comes in. And then when it comes to evening, that's when the most energy is present because that's when the island wakes up and they have this party and carnivals and all that stuff. And then it gets into the fight music. Uh, and then the last stage, the way that Arcane structured all of the, the music is that there's also what we call an escape section, which means like when you're now done with the shooting and you're kind of trying to escape or run away, not engage, it, you get out of there. And so the music becomes a little bit more like, ooh, you know, tiptoe, like, what quick, get, let me get out of here, <laughs> let me get out of here. And it becomes less violent, but still very fast paced and a little frantic. No, that's that's a really cool structure to them, and with that Target Alexis track, it's like then it kind of gets like rock saxophone, which really is quite. I mean, I don't I don't mean to disparage your friends, but it's kind of douchey, and <laughs> and I love that hearing like the description yeah. of the character, and then yeah. that juxtaposed with the music, it's really brilliant. That's yeah. that's absolutely the idea. I mean, we had all these ingredients and the fun challenge was how can I take all this stuff swimming in my head and kind of present it in a way that felt satisfying and appropriate for this wonderful, unique, crazy place in Death Loop. I, I take it it was your friend, you said Philippe, Philippe, yeah. Philippe uh, Sace, yeah. yeah, he's one your of the... Your friend Philippe on Target Charlie with the vibes and the marimba and just all the mallet work, that stuff is so yes, fun. Yes, yeah, there's, there, not, yes. All of the mallet work, particularly the mallet work that really requires some serious, crazy, you know, performance skills. Uh, he would do, you know, complete live marimba and, you know, a lot of the the treatments and, ring, and, and you know, he's playing with two hands with two mallets in each hand and doing crazy stuff. I mean, yeah. unbelievably talented. So, so yeah. And it really gives an authentic uh, feel. I also have a, um, actually I have a set of Jenko vibes right here that belonged to my father-in-law. Oh. And so once in a while, I, you know, when it was something that, you know, just a few notes here and there or the melody and stuff, I'm like, here it is, boom. And I'd mic that up. Plus, I have tons of amazing, you know, mallets and, and vibraphones virtually as, as well. So, um, you know, I just jumped around equal opportunity employer <laughs> <laughs> to all kinds of things.
Yeah, and that track, then the Target Charlie track, kind of has this big band that kicks in yes. with it too, which that's which the is swing really band. Fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super that fun. was the Nelson Riddle inspired, you know, like Batman climbing up the side of the building, talk, having conversations with people who stick their heads out. You know, listening back to those kind of things, uh, those episodes on YouTube, that just brought back so many fun memories of me having chocolate chip cookies after school, you know, <laughs> waiting for, you know, come on. When we last left Batman, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was holy whatever Batman. So that style was what inspired that and all those fun chords, you know, hitting, punching, bam, 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 yep. bam. You know, a lot of very similar style chords. So that was the foundation for that. And uh, that was all like swing band. Also, if you hear it, it gets really nuts at the end. It really shows off some serious skill. And that's also where I, uh, I invited Philippe to say, come on, man, do your thing. I mean, because he's been doing horn arrangements and string arrangements my, his whole career. Wow. I mean, he goes back to Shaka Khan and, you know, he's ridiculous. So, so he gets to show off a little bit there, too. That was so much fun. So was the theremin real then, or was the theremin keyboard? I wish. Yeah. I wish it was real. <laughs> yeah. No. No. You're going to love this. So he, I'm going to play you the theremin right here. It's an app on my phone. No. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little app on my phone, and uh, and it's like this little happy little robot. Uh, and I basically just plugged my phone in, the headphone into my audio interface, and uh, did it that way. So, yeah, it was like... Let me yeah. put the volume up here. Ready? Yeah, so that was... I love that. <laughs> oh, man. So oh. I had a lot of fun, fun with that. Just a little sine wave. And then, you know, then I throw it so some fun effects and things to vintage, vintage-fy it. That's my yeah. own word. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and that's how that's how it works. Love the, the slide blues. You got a little slide blues guitar in there as well. Just oh, really yeah, yeah, grungy. Yeah. That was fantastic. Oh yeah, that the, the, the slide blues stuff that was generally real. You know the, the oh, real yeah. slide blues. I had I had uh, Roto down in Nashville 
uh, doing some of that stuff. Uh, Steve Wimet, he did a lot. I'm not sure if he did. I don't think he did Slide. I forget. And then Chris Frost also did some craziness. So uh, I, I tapped into a lot of different people at different times for, for different reasons. <laughs> not there's so much of the guitar in there that's actually virtual guitar and 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 some of it isn't even trying to be guitar it just sounds like it. <laughs> i discovered that you know when i throw the clavinet through some really good signal chains and amps and stuff man it sounds just like a guitar it really does it's amazing there was this guy when i was doing my research loki doli He's, I think he's Australian. He's crazy happy dude who loves to play the blues and stuff. And he's on the stage in these concerts. And he's made this custom clavinet with a whammy bar on it. <laughs> and he puts it through this distortion stuff. And he's playing. I'm like listening. I'm like, wait, this doesn't match what I'm seeing. This wow. sounds like a guitar. So that gave me a hint. Like, I could do that, sort of. I have a pitch you know, wheel. And... So, you know, wherever possible, because I'm the composer, but I'm not a guitarist, you know, finding ways to create guitar textures that were satisfying to perform and play and create with was part of my mission. So uh, about half of what you hear is not even real guitar, wow. but it kind of evokes the same feeling, but it also added to the unique sound I created because, you know, I'm not a guitarist, so it doesn't sound like normal stuff all the time. Yeah, It sounds different. You know, most of the music really does have that fun vibe, really upbeat. Even the um, lead-in music as you're, you know, scoping out the joint, trying to find the target. I'll, even that music is, you know, I wouldn't call it sad or dark or anything like that. Um, more mysterious, maybe. But yeah. uh, then, you know, you kind of listen through the whole soundtrack, and then you get to this track called The Wharf. And that yeah. tune, to me, was really melancholic and so I'm just mm. I just kind of want to know the story about that since I haven't played the game and I don't know the area or the reference so yeah uh, yeah what 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 was that about so the wharf is one of the four main areas that I created a musical suite for right a musical suite being the full spectrum everything from exploration music all the way through fight and escape and all that stuff and also four times of day worth of that stuff as well yeah. and i think one of the challenges in death loop given that all of these areas are on the same island and you know they do have some distinct differences but not immediately obvious you know, it's not like some of the other games where it's like, okay, this is the snow level and this is the lava level. And, you know, <laughs> this yeah. was like, okay, well, here's some rocky island and here's some more rock stuff and here's some inside buildings and here's some outside buildings. And, you know, it wasn't as distinctly different. 
So where, when and wherever possible, I really wanted to exaggerate those differences. And I depended a lot on the audio director to kind of tell me what could make these areas unique. How can we musically make them unique? So, you know, what is going to be the most dismal of all of them? And the wharf was that. The wharf, uh, as it sounds, is an area that's lower with the water and you figure like foggy, perhaps, and, you know, very dull looking and what have you. So, you know, if it was an opportunity to make it as dark and dismal and hopeless sounding as I could, then I, I took it because I knew we wouldn't have that chance uh, very often uh, to do something like that. So that's where it started. Um, and then, of course, I had to keep in mind, how do I continue that flow through the different times of day as it wakes up? You know, so probably the most dismal is going to be midnight on the wharf, right? Because it's like pitch black and you're down there, you know, by yourself in this foggy, watery wharf area. So, I mean, you know, that was the thinking that would go into these areas based on a lot of the information I would get. Also, there are just a couple of spots where I really prominently heard vocals. So yes. I'd, I'd love to have you talk about those moments because those clearly were decisions, like special decisions to bring in vocals. Yes, absolutely. So uh, if you hear a female vocalist in there, you're you're hearing Airely Brighton, okay? Oh yeah, the, she's the, great. The one and only Airely, you know, made famous in Ori and the, 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 the Blind Forest, right? You know, yeah. so... I've worked with her for many years. She's wonderful. Um, and she's just got, she had the perfect texture and range uh, and sound uh, for what I was going for, you know, in this to kind of give it that, you know, James Bondy, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So, so she first, you know, appears in the main theme. The, the the antagonist in this game is Juliana, right? You have right. Colt and Juliana is the one that's trying to work against him. And he she's the one that you have all this, you know, the, this banter with during the whole game, which is hilarious. Uh, anytime that there was something Juliana oriented, uh, it 
you would hear that voice come in. Uh, there was one exception to that. One of the characters was also a female character. Uh, well, more than one. But Fia, Fia was one of the targets. Yeah. And uh, her vibe, her deal was that she was like this hopeless romantic. I'm going back to the document here. She was a student in psychology and a drug smuggler. <laughs> uh, and And her interest in parapsychology, right? So at some point she got addicted to drugs and so she'd hallucinate a lot. So you have this kind of hopeless, romantic, you know, chick who's always high and hallucinating. And I'm like, okay, this could be cool to kind of use the voice and bring it back to Airely's voice. But instead of having her do some new part, what I did is I went back to some of the parts that Airely sang in the theme and I just chopped them and played with them and, and turned them around in reverse and, and threw them through reverse echoes and reverse reverbs and little phrases. And so you hear all this, uh, you know, and it just would tail off and it just sounds like trippy, man. Like, yeah. You know, those are some good shrooms, you know. So, I mean, that's that was the feeling I wanted to evoke. Uh, and that that also allowed me to bring back uh, the female voice there. of music pretty fast i mean uh, mm. you know a little more than a year you had on it that's yeah well i worked i worked on this for about six months i started in january 2020 and i ended in, Jan in june 2020 okay wow. so i've been done with this for over a year i mean it, it, it just wow. came out now but i've been done with this a long time and um so i do tend to work fast when i'm you know when i'm when i can Oftentimes, I, I have to kind of go at the pace that the development team is working at if I, uh, if I come in at a point where things are really still in development and being formed. Um, so I will do the game music first, and usually I'll do the cutscenes last. Deathloop didn't have too many cutscenes, but that was the last stuff I did, along with the menu music. You know, and once again, the menu music is going to be based on the theme. So it gave me an opportunity to, to extend that main theme and I hope the soundtrack will have it, but it gives you the splash screen music. It gives you the the four time of day uh, variations of the main theme. Um, and then it gives you a Juliana variation and a cult, uh, cult variation. You know, cult variation has more of that low guitar, bong, bong, bang, you know, and Juliana has more of Aerie's voice. that melody i mean man that theme is all over the place yeah. uh but i'm i'm so relieved to say that apparently it's not monotonous <laughs> no and i haven't had this much fun 
uh, you know, going back to some of the the kind of music that I enjoy producing since Red Steel. You know, I mean, that score was not traditional either. There was, you know, there was a lot of like jam groove oriented with drums and solos and, you know, so, and I hear that there's gonna be an anniversary release of that because it's been, can you believe it, 15 years? Yeah, so that's going to be coming out again. That'll be fun uh, if any of your listeners haven't heard that. So if you want to hear a score that really is very different and varied and just also has a lot of fun, uh, that's 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 another one. And this this experience has kind of reminded me a little of that because I'm like, oh man, I love just you know being able to step away from just doing you know traditional scoring and hybrid scoring and just to have yep. fun making riffs and going into you know, just regular music production and drums and solo, you know, all that kind of stuff and bass lines, you know, so yeah. it, it was a blast. You know, last time we talked, it was about your series of masterclasses or your masterclass that you have online. And so I'd love to just check in with you on that really quick. And then uh, from what I understand, you have a death loop one. So, uh, so yeah, yeah ch chat with us about your masterclass. No, thanks. So Joe, yeah, last time we spoke, I was talking to you about Game Music Essentials, which is basically a crash course for anybody who's interested or, or seriously pursuing game music. And uh, it basically takes decades of my experience and in, in the lectures I've given and consolidates it down into like a three hour course. So if you can't make it out to a, a conference or a university where I would go through these courses, it covers everything from my creative process to the concepts of it all the way through the business sides. I mean, it's it's an, that's why I call the Game Music Essentials. It's kind of like, this is what you need to know. And uh, I got a lot of positive feedback from that and also a lot of requests for, okay, this is fantastic, but now I'd love to hear about this and this and that. So. That gave me the idea while I was working on Deathloop to kind of record and document a lot of this. And what I did was I found that the most important things that people want to learn about that you don't hear about so much is, can you literally hold my hand and walk me through how you do something from beginning to end? Like, show me the reference music. Show me the, the sandboxing that you do. Show me the sound creations that you do. Show me the early ideas. Show me how you read a document, how you interpret it, how you plan it out. How do you break the music up? You know, so I literally use Deathloop from beginning to end, and it's a very comprehensive course. I'm not even sure how many hours it is, but it, it's going to be available very, very soon, and I will offer your listeners a discount code. But it literally, if you want to know, if it's kind of like sitting with me in the studio um, during the months that I was working on it. It goes from everything from the beginning all the way to how I name files and deliver them to the client. So, I mean, it's a rare opportunity to really get a very detailed account of how to do it. 
So I thought that would be fun and, and exciting to offer to the public. It's going to be called um, Scoring AAA Death Loop Edition. And where's the website again? So the main website is tomsalta.com slash masterclass. That is the home of all of the courses right now, Game Music Essentials, and soon this Death Loop one. writing it and thanks for talking to me about it i loved it my pleasure it was so amazing uh, again to talk to you emily i look forward to all of our interviews this was so much fun Thanks for listening to Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Tom Salta and see a playlist at patreon.com slash level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle does our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media, Inc.